0: You're listening to a podcast from Reality Honolulu. For more information or ways to get involved in the life of the church, visit realityhonolulu.com. Thanks for listening. Um, but without further ado, we are going to get into the Word of God this morning. If you have your Bibles, love for you to turn with me to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians 1 12 through 19. Are our verses today, and if you've been with us, you know that we have entered into this new fall sermon series on Sunday mornings, where we're going walking through the Book of Philippians, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and we're just uh, being slow about it. We're not trying to, you know, get get through a ton of verses. Because we're on some kind of timeline, we just really want God's Word, by the power of His Spirit, to speak to us every Sunday. And it's dense, and there's a lot to it, and I believe that there's um, a lot of awesome things that God wants to really speak to us, to transform transform our hearts and minds, to be more like Christ as His disciples and His church. And so, I'm going to be reading from the NIV translation If you don't have that translation, it'll be a little different, but that's okay. Uh, But we do have Bibles. As you just walked in, every Sunday there's Bibles there, hard copies that you can use. Um, And if you don't have a Bible, you can take it home. It's our gift to you, please. Or if you know someone that needs a Bible, please give them a Bible. Um, But let's go ahead and read Philippians 1, 12 through 19 together. Again, this is Paul in his letter to this church in this city called Philippi. And uh, here we go. This is Paul. He continues on in his letter, week four for us. He says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of my brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Verse 15. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ that has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, we thank you once again that you are with us, that your word is living and it's active And that you desire to use it to speak to us, to correct us, to train us, to uh, equip us so that the man or woman of God may be adequately equipped for every good work. Thank you that there's purpose in your word. That it is not just an ancient document that we have that it's good to read, but it's rather living and it's active and it's for us here today. God, I I just pray for myself included and for all my friends and brothers and sisters in this room that we wouldn't miss out. Like the God of the universe is speaking to us. This is, we we don't want to miss out. We want to like welcome your word this morning. So maybe for some of us, that's like softening our hearts or tuning our ears in. Or for people like myself, we just get so distracted. God, help us to not be distracted. And just to think of all the other stuff we have to do. But Lord, we put that on hold because we want to hear from you this morning. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you remember, for context's sake, Paul alludes to it again. But he's writing this letter. He's penning this letter under house arrest in the city of Rome. And he's been arrested for preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. He's being persecuted for his faith He is literally in chains. He's imprisoned by the palace guard or the praetorian guard. This is like the secret service of the day. Um, And so he is kind of a, a most wanted type guy. He's stirring up quite a bit in the Roman Empire at the time because he's talking about another empire that's far better than the Roman Empire. It's the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And he's messing things up in every city he goes because it's, it's flipping the, the paradigm uh, on its head. People are getting saved, and churches are getting planted, and um, the gospel is spreading. But what he's doing is he's writing this letter under house arrest with his boy Timothy, right, with his, with his comrade Timothy. He's with, he's writing these letters, he's writing a few of them from a place of imprisonment, not knowing his fate, So again, it's important to know the context because of what he's saying. He just, what he's saying here, he doesn't know if we'll ever see this church again. He's not promised another speaking engagement there. I mean, even traveling from Rome to Philippi. I mean, this is not an easy journey back in the day. And so, what he said there, even in the first verse, is he says, what's happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. And what he's talking about, he's talking about his current predicament in prison. Like, all that's happened to me actually is a good thing. And so, if you're reading this in the church in Philippi, if you've received this letter, you might at first be really worried that you're like, Apostle Paul is like imprisoned in Rome because you think, oh man, this whole movement may be over. Like, he's the father of the movement, he's the apostle that started this all. He helped start our own church. Like, he's our mentor. He's our go-to. If he's in trouble, we may all be in trouble here. And Paul just wants to give them a different set of lenses to look through. Because, again, he easily could have said something very different. Like, think about you and I. We're trying to live faithfully for the Lord, and God's using us. And then all of a sudden, we get, like, arrested, and we're in prison. And actually, we don't know if we're going to be, like, martyred actually executed for this. And then you write a letter, and you're like, I don't know what that letter would be. Maybe we would be really fearful, or like, maybe we would like denounce our faith. You know, you just don't know how you'd be in that moment when you're pressed. But again, this is, this is the Holy Spirit and a transformed life through the Apostle Paul here. And so I have a couple points to make this morning. And number one is suffering advances the gospel. So verses 12 through 14, Paul tells us this. And if you know anything about, like, church history and the story of Christianity, this is the story of Christianity. Like, this is what has happened from some 2,000 years ago in the Middle East, right, in Jerusalem, or in northern Israel in the Sea of Galilee, and then into Jerusalem. You read the book of Acts, it gives us the history of the early church. And it was a pretty small movement at the time. Like in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, like for homework, totally go read Acts chapter 2 and 3. But it started out in a prayer meeting with about 100 people. About this. That was how the church started. The Holy Spirit fell upon the church. Peter, if you remember, he preached this sermon. And the church grew like in that moment to 3,000. 3,000 people got saved from one sermon, from 100 to 3,000. Then the church is meeting in houses, large and small gatherings in in Jerusalem. Well, what happens? Paul, his name was Saul. Paul is his, like, redeemed name. But he was this guy named Saul of Tarsus. And if you read Acts 5, 6, 7, Saul, Paul, the same Paul that's writing the letter, he was like, the zealot, to crush the movement of Christianity. He was spearheading the movement to round up and arrest Christians. The same Paul that's writing this letter was like the guy that the Romans went after to say, Paul, can you help us end this movement of Jesus Christ? And he does it. Like, he's involved. This is why it's like really personal for Paul He was involved with the first martyr, uh, Stephen. Like, Paul was a part of the death of the first Christian at his hands. Now he's like full circle, redeemed. I mean, it's insane that this is Paul the Apostle talking about suffering, advancing the gospel, because he was involved with trying to end the gospels. But then you see, like, Acts chapter 9, like, he gets saved on the road to Damascus, and he has this moment where he, like, repents, and is like his scales fall off his eyes, and he comes to this realization that he's been persecu- persecuting the very God that loves him and is, is coming after him. But again, this is the story of how the gospel spread, because people like Paul in the book of Acts started persecuting, persecuting the church so much that the church could no longer gather in the same way. And so what did they have to do? They had to scatter throughout Israel into into northern Africa, into the Middle East. Well, what did that do, though? That just made it grow more. Instead of it being concentrated in the city of Jerusalem, well, now the gospel was everywhere. It's kind of like water. You just diluted it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just everywhere now. And it's, it's throughout this whole region. But the way the gospel spread through that region, now it went all the way to Rome, right? If you're familiar with any geography, like Jerusalem to Rome, that's a big distance in the ancient world. In a few years here, the gospel spread all the way from the Middle East into Northern Africa and then all the way to Europe. And then obviously like, being in Hawaii, we're like halfway around the world from Jerusalem. All, almost like mile by mile. We're almost, this is the farthest the gospel can spread. But we're part of that and it was birthed out of suffering. It was birthed out of persecution that the gospel has reached the ends of the world. But again, what was meant to squash... The gospel actually made it grow even more. Like This is the story of the way of Jesus. And this very thing, actually, we see in the book of Genesis as well. I don't know if you remember this, but when, you know, Joseph's brothers leave him for dead and they sell him into slavery, God uses Joseph, right, to be high up in Egypt. And in Genesis 50, Joseph, speaking to his, brother, his own brother's persecution, You guys might know this, but he says, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant or turned it for good in order to bring about the present result to keep many people alive. Right? In context, he's saying, "You, you, you meant to like kill me, sell me into slavery, like leave me for dead, but God actually redeemed it and used it for his glory more than you could ever imagine. And so even to this day, it may not look nearly like the same persecution or suffering that we as Christians may go through, but if you're here today and if you've been through or are going through or will go through any type of persecution or you're beat down or you're going through trials, I want to tell you this when you're either persecuted, beat down, or going through trials, that is when normally God uses those things in your own life and in your community to see his, come, to see his kingdom come even more. Not less. Like God does his best work when his church is, is pushed down and it's persecuted and it's suffering. Not, God uses it To even grow us personally in his kingdom even more Like that's just what he does It's what he's always done. That is like historical fact of Looking at the last 2,000 years of the movement of Jesus across every nation and people group Suffering advances the gospel and The reason why is because God is bigger. He's just bigger Like, and he's a God who redeems. Like, that's what he does. You know when you know someone, maybe you know yourself a little bit well, or you you have a person in your life, and something about their character is like, oh, that's just them. That's just what they do. Right? You could say, like, they're just kind, or they're just generous, or they're just funny. They're just, like, have a good attitude all the time. That's just them. Right? We say that about each other. Or if we know a friend. And something gets brought up about them. We're like, oh, well, that's just them. Like, you can't change that about them. That's just how God's made them, and it's awesome. Well, that's for God in the area of redemption and renewal, right? God, our God, the God of the Bible, he is known, like, who he is. He is known for redeeming situations and people that were way far gone that I would say the world even discarded and has given up hope on, that's when God does his best work. Again, that is why the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and the love of God is so counterintuitive. Because as human beings... If we've been wronged or someone's, you know, living this wayward life and they've done all these things or they're different or whatever it is, we naturally go, oh, well, we're going to discard them. We're going to discredit them. Like, And God's like, who's that? I want them. I want the unlikely. I want the outcast. I want the one that's, that everyone else has given up on. I'm going to use them. Like, if you look at the biblical characters, most of them are not like Paul. Paul was, you know, naturally maybe confident or zealous or he had some things going for him. But most of the biblical characters are not the people you would pick. Do a study on the 12 disciples. You're, you'd think Jesus was absolutely, like, out of his mind to pick the guys that he picked. Like, I would be like, these are not the guys. These are not the guys. They don't have the resume for it. They don't have the experience. They don't have the skills. That's what God does. He picks that's what he does. He picks the unlikely. He uses the discarded like he is a God that redeems. He does his best work when we feel like, ah, hope is lost. And so for you here today, you may just be going through it. And you know what I mean by that. I, I, I leave it vague because we're all, in one way or another, going through it. Like, you name it, relationally, financially, emotionally. Like, we're all going through it. Honestly, if I sit down with any of you, there's there's something in your life that you're like, oh man, like this is hard. This is a long road, or I'm just so over this part of my life, or I want that. And at different times, like we're going through it more than others. And when you're in that place, You can be left, like, just going, you know what? I am just so done. You know, we say that. I'm just so done. We mean a lot of different things when we say that. But we're like, we're so done with the timing or the season or what has or hasn't happened. But you know what God is? He isn't done. See, God, whether you believe my words right now or not, probably has the most beautiful plan to redeem whatever it is happening in your life for Better than you ever could imagine. And you're like, ah, it can't be true. I'm like, no, that's the story of the Bible. Like, don't take my word for it. Read the Bible. Read about the character of God. Read story after story after story of this is what he does. And even though, like, as, as messy and evil and discouraging that the world is and may become... Like, God wants to use it all to see his kingdom come even more in the midst. In the midst of all that's happening. Not necessarily in the absence of it all, but in the midst of it, he's like, ooh, I want to use all that for my glory. I want to use that for my kingdom. Ooh, my church is downcast, and they're distraught, and they're just confused, and they're. I want to meet them and use them for my glory right where they're at. And I hope that's encouraging today because Paul's saying that. He says suffering is actually a way in which God actually uses his love and his grace and his mercy to actually be spread to others. The second thing, can I get an amen about that? That's a good one, right? That's a good one. Okay, 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 okay. I'm, 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 I do better with some crowd participation, just so you know. If you ever, like, do what I do or if you've ever been up here, it you know what I mean by, like, If you don't hear anything, you're like, okay, let's just move on. (laughs) You just don't know. You don't know. You don't know. Anyway, so point two Paul makes. Makes a lot of good points. But point two is this. He says the big picture is all that matters. Verses 15 through 18. And this is what I mean. This is why I love Paul. Um, I love Paul because in one hand— Paul is a a pretty hardcore theologian. He has strong opinions about stuff. He's not afraid to share it, to write it. But when push comes to shove, he would rather see Jesus preached more, more often to more people than to care about exactly how it's done and why it's being done. Again, I think, he's, I, think, I think if you look at the life of Paul, I think he does both. I think he's, he's very clear on his theology and what he believes about God and what we should be believe about God. But then you read verses like this this morning, and you realize, wow, when push comes to su- uh, shove, though, Paul would rather just see Jesus preached to more people more often, even if it's in like a, a messy way, even if the motives are actually bad again he would rather jesus just be preached and exalted and proclaimed more than actually exactly how and why it's being done and again this goes back to last week and the week before which we've dug in a little bit but what i did last week was i brought up that i think it's it's so important that as reality honolulu okay just speak to us for a second that we try to break down the barriers that divide the body of Christ, because on this island there are huge barriers that every church on this island, subconscious or consciously, will put up and all of a sudden will just be a little bit of a fragmented body of Christ. Not really unified, don't really do stuff together because we have, again, we have all these differences. But again, my challenge to us is: instead of concentrating on all our differences, let's concentrate on the thing that actually brings us together. What's to, what's to what brings us together? Well, it's Jesus, and He's our Lord, and we're one in Him. Of course, we're gonna do a bunch of stuff different. We're people. Of course, we're gonna like the liturgy of the service and the emphasis on certain parts of the Bible and theology, whether we believe in this or not. Like, of course, we're people but what is the thing that makes us unified and paul did that last week he says let's concentrate on what unifies us not what divides us and today he does the same thing paul is saying people are he's not like sugarcoating it he says people are doing very different things in church so paul says here and he even goes to far as to say he says some of their motives of why they even preach a sermon, do church, do Christianity, he says some of their motives are good, some are bad he says some are not all pure and some are selfish in nature these are kind of big deals like if you were to come to me and say you said hey Riz there's this church and the, the only reason they're doing church is for all these reasons and all the reasons are like selfish and evil I'd be like, Whoa, dude, like, get out. Or who, what are you talking about? Let me fix that. I would, I would not say probably what Paul would say here. But again, again, there's nuances to what I just said. There's, there's certain nuances, obviously. But Paul is saying, he said, everybody is preaching Jesus, and some of it's good and some of it's bad, and it is kind of a big deal, but the truth is, He's like, there's something bigger that we should be worrying about than the differences. Because, to be honest, I think we, as people, probably dislike other churches for far less. I know that's a jab. But that's a jab to me, too. Especially with COVID. I don't know, guys, this is just a thing. And all of us pastors talk about it. Because we actually are trying to be buddies across denominational lines on island. COVID was so hard because everyone kind of had to be online and you had to put your stuff out there for the whole world to see. Most of us didn't have it out there because we didn't want to do that. We just wanted to be like a local church and like didn't want a video and like you can listen to the podcast later if you want. You're all put out there and so then all of a sudden, ooh, everyone's just comparison. What did they do? Ooh, their sound, Ooh, their video. Ooh, that sermon. What are they doing? How are they approaching that? It was like the worst season ever because our, our, our nature just goes, ooh, comparison, ooh, envy, oh, they did. She, like it happens even in the church with I mean it happens a lot in the church. But Paul is saying is like, yeah, everyone's doing it different, And I think it's real easy for us to just judge and say no and say ah they're doing it wrong and blah 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 do it all the time and Paul says don't do it (laughs) it doesn't mean that we're blind doesn't mean we have a doesn't have opinions because Paul had a lot of those but I love it because Paul here is honestly just really spirit filled and he's just more mature about it more more mature about it and he's reminding us well what are we trying to do What's the goal? What are global believers trying to do? And he said, the goal is to preach Jesus. To tell the world of the good news about how amazing and incredible Jesus is on all levels. Like, that's it. And again, I'm gonna confess, Pastors get weird about this. I think I shared this, but I get asked all the time, like, oh, I pastor a church. And like one or two questions in, they start asking about denomination theology, what I believe, to try to see kind of like what camp I'm in. And I'm like, "Like, can you just get to know me first? And just know I'm like trying to like follow and serve and love Jesus the way you are. But again, I probably do that too. I'm not saying, but pastors get weird about our differences. Churches get weird about Christians get weird. And Paul is lovingly reminding us of what the big picture is. Yes, we can all poke at different churches. We can all compare. Paul's like, are they trying to preach Jesus though? Are they trying to? Don't judge motives. Because Paul's like, not everybody has good ones but are they trying to preach and exalt the name of jesus to the people they're trying to minister to if the answer is yes leave them alone that's what paul is saying again this is his last letter to them he's begging them just for unity he's begging them for like just be the church and love jesus love god and love people and yes it's going to be messy but remember that the big picture is all that matters. Okay. Amen? Amen. Number three, it's all going to be okay. <clears throat> I don't know how many of you guys woke up last night at 3 a.m. worrying about whatever it was you're worrying about. Because I know half of you probably did. Or you did this week. It's about work, or it was about money, or it was about a relationship, or a A kid or a spouse or someone in your life. You woke up and you were worried and you were anxious. If it was all going to be okay. Um, We worry about this all the time in every facet. And Paul here at the end of this little section. I don't know if you caught it in verse 19. But he said, For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ... That has happened to me uh, will turn out for my deliverance. And to be honest, he actually just didn't totally fully mean that he he was gonna get out of prison. He just know, he just knew, he trusted in prayer and on the sovereignty of God that whatever happens to his life, God wins. He had the faith to believe that God would prevail in his current circumstances. He just knew that whatever happened in his, in his temporal circumstances, that God was on the throne and he was in control and he going to win. He knew the end of the story. He knew the God that he served, right? And what I will always envy, in a good way, like in, I don't know if the, you'll, you'll hear what I'm saying. It's not, not a bad envy. But... When you read the biblical authors like Paul, what they do a lot is they have a huge view of heavenly things. Like they are so wrapped up in what's to come and where their real home is and where their real treasure is. And then it's not here on earth. They were talking about heaven a lot. Keep your mind set on heavenly things. Think of things above. Your citizenship isn't in heaven. These are actually all verses in Philippians we're going to get to. Paul is like, remember that the present is not what it's all about. But if we were also going to be honest with each other, is we love the present. We love this present temporal life. And we want it to be good. And we want it to be the way we expected it and thought it would be. And the truth is that Paul brings up is that this is not our home. This is not the end all. The Bible is like crystal clear, actually, that this life, and I mean all of this life, is just a vapor. It's just a mist. It's here one day and gone tomorrow. It's actually pretty clear. It's like, we're not promised tomorrow. And not to be morbid, but like, this is not it. YOLO is not a thing. You only live once. That is like, I understand, like, we all jokingly say it. Like, when we're, like, doing something crazy or fun. YOLO! <laughs> it's probably, like, old. I don't know if people even say that anymore, but... But for the Christian, you have to understand, like, that is antithetical to, like, the way we live. And Paul's later letter would go on to say, um, and it definitely didn't go well with the Roman Empire, but he said, we're actually not citizens of this earth, we're citizens of heaven. Like, you may call me a citizen of the United States, or back then you're like a Roman citizen, but he's like, that's just a title, but this is not my home. My citizenship's in heaven. I'm just passing through. And the world and whatever happens in the world isn't the story, or even close to the end of the story. And that's why Paul can be so content in a place of so much present uncertainty, because he says, it's really not about this like and that's why he could say it's gonna be okay and so that takes a lot of pressure off because really then in this temporal passing life we just do our best to love God and love others and use what God has entrusted us to further his kingdom and and we trust that the outcome and the timing Is in God's hands. He's our maker. He's our creator. He's our savior. And whatever happens, no, it's going to be okay. So next time, maybe tonight, maybe tomorrow, maybe some other night, you're up at 3 a.m. You're worried about something that's happening. Remember those words from God. It's going to be okay. And that doesn't mean that what you're worrying about is going to pan out the way you want it. But God is even bigger than that. And he's going to redeem and restore and renew. Like he's just bigger than our worries. And so take Paul's prison letter to heart and be encouraged to cling to and trust Christ and know that he is bigger. He has bigger redemptive things in store for you and this world than you can even hope, think, or imagine. This letter is meant to be an encouragement to them Back then, it's meant to be an encouragement for us now. This isn't the end of the letter. It's just the beginning. And it's the season where God is speaking to us. And so, be encouraged, church, as we enter in this time of worship. Just dwell on the character and the person of Jesus. Dwell on heavenly things. And be reminded it's going to be okay. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you that... You give us reminders of this, that um, I just admit for myself, I guess you can get so easily wrapped up with every part of life here. Just get wrapped up with the to-do lists and responsibilities and what's working and what's not working. And we we just (laughs) are so grateful that you bring us a word like this, Lord, where it's like, Hey, it's not about this anyway. You're looking at the wrong thing. You're valuing the wrong things. Look to me. Put your eyes on me. Remember what it's all about. And so, God, we want to do that today. We want to remember the big picture. God, I pray that we would not get caught up with these small things uh, or these temporal things that in, in light of eternity are are actually not as maybe significant as we think. So God, whatever happens in our life, whatever we're thinking about, I pray that we would have the faith to trust you the way Paul did to say, whatever happens, God, I know you're in control and I know it's gonna be okay. So God, we just, I just pray for this time of worship as we have a few more musical worship songs. I pray that you'd meet us and speak to us and minister to us now